Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is the third Talking Money for 2022, beginning of the 16th year for Talking Money. And I went back in time. So we got your time capsule, went back to 2007, which was the first year I broadcasted and hosted Talking Money and came up with some questions that were asked back then. I was curious if the questions were anything similar to what they would be today. Now, some of them weren't um, pertinent and weren't uh, applicable to today, but many of them were. And so we talked a couple of weeks ago about the seven and a half. And the question was, I turned seven and a half in August. So I have to take my required minimum distribution. What is the best way to take it out? So we talked about then this subject a couple of weeks ago. So if you missed it, go to talkingmoneyradio.com and you can click on listen. And when you click on listen, it'll get you to previous episodes that were recorded and posted on the Talking Money Radio website. So you go there and you can listen to these episodes. You can listen to any of them. We go back six months and we're going to be trying to pull out some that go back further on the most important topics that go back further than six months. Uh, but we're working on that over the next couple of weeks because we want to make sure you get the information you need. Of course, always without the sales pitch. So we're not selling anything here on Talking Money. We're trying to get you the information you need to make you a wise steward of your finances and to make take some stress out of your life by giving you information that you know is not tainted by us trying to sell something, which uh, pretty much all the other programs or shows on uh, this station and any other station that talks about finances, are they're really trying to sell you something. They just don't uh, tell you that. So we're not trying to sell you anything. Uh, Ronald Blue Trust is a fee-only firm. Don't sell any products. Plan first before that, that most of you remember. It was also a fee-only firm. So we yes, we charge a fee for our advice. We charge a fee to help manage money. But there's no hidden agenda in there as to what we don't get paid more for one thing than we do for another. There's no back end surrender charges and things like that. If you decide, somebody decided they want to leave after six months of being with us, which I think has never happened, but if it, it did happen, then you'd essentially lose six months worth of a fee that you that you had paid us. But uh, since we charge no more than one percent per year, it'd be half percent for that year. So uh, it takes a lot of the risk, I think, out of you know trying us out, as you might as you might put it. But most people don't do that. They, as I said, they stay with us for for many many years and and been speaking with some clients in the last couple of weeks that have been with us for thirty plus years. So it's um, amazing to see how their financial lives have transitioned over time and how we've been able to help. I mentioned a uh, an email we got from Lance last week, and I read part of that email to you guys last week. So if you missed any of that, there you go. Go to talkingmoneyradio.com. If you got a question for me, send that email to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Or simply go to talkingmoneyradio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Question. And that line will get you right to me so you can get, ask your question. 
And it's one of the nice things about the email part, uh, just like it is with the phone conversation when somebody calls, I can ask follow-up questions to make sure I truly understand what it is, the situation, uh, all the pertinent parts of it so I can give you the right advice because the last thing you want me to do is just take a stab in the dark. And I know uh, I, I talk to people often who come in who've, who visit with other financial planners and, and they give them a sample portfolio uh, the first meeting that they're in. I said, wow, how did they do that? Because they, they don't even know you well enough to know. Well, they're trying to sell. They're trying to sell the returns that they have, and they think they may not get you back in again, so they, they have to shoot all their wad, as it were, <laughs> the first time. And, and we're not doing that. We're going to take some time, take several meetings to get to know you, for you to get to know us, and whether or not we're going to be a good fit. Some of the other things we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, converting a uh, IRA to Roth. We talked about your tax bracket creep. Because uh, you want to make sure as you get, as you prepare for retirement, which can be 10, 20 years before retirement, that you're having, you're setting up different types of accounts. Some that are taxable, like your IRAs, some or, or 401ks, some that are not taxable fully, at least, like an after-tax brokerage account that you may have some some investments in that have some gains, some unrealized gains, and there may be some taxes there, but they're capital gains taxes at the capital long-term capital gains tax rate, as opposed to your personal income tax rate, which is generally higher. Uh, not always, but usually it is because don't forget you, the, the first uh, tax bracket up to that 12% bracket, the first two brackets up to the 12% bracket. If you sell a long-term capital gain property and that income, that gain stays within that 12% bracket, then the long-term capital gains tax is zero. And people don't realize that. So I, I try to advise people, remind people, especially on talking money, that as you're doing year-end planning or even as you're doing planning now, that you say, okay, let me go ahead and, and uh, use some of those capital gains uh, properties and and I can keep those, go ahead and sell them. If my tax bracket is right, go sell it and, and keep within that 12% bracket and then you pay zero tax on it. And then you can buy the same investment right back again. No problem. But now your basis is going to be at the current price, not at the price that you paid originally when you had this long-term capital gain in it. So, so in beginning in 2022, when you're married filing jointly, you can have taxable income of $83,550. Now, as a reminder, that's the taxable income. That's not your gross income. So that's after your itemized deductions. That's after your standard deduction. That maybe after a after a contribution that you make to a deductible IRA, which is going to bring down your adjusted gross income and bring down your taxable income. So that's taxable income. So for many people, the gross income, married filing jointly, is closer to a hundred thousand dollars, and it gets down to taxable eighty three five fifty. So that's the max tax on that is twelve percent. So zero up to a certain point, and then there's 10%, and then there's 12%, and then it jumps up to 22%. So you have a 10% gain or increase in tax rates when you jump from the 12% bracket to the 22% bracket. So anything over the 83,550 for 2022 is going to be taxed at 22% instead of 12. So if you're retired, especially, and and all you have is is taxable IRA money that when you're going to pull it out to live on, it's going to put you over or the required minimum distribution is high. So high because you didn't manage the balance that is going to put you in that 22% uh, bracket. 
if you have some other assets, maybe you can pull from a brokerage account, you can pull from a Roth IRA and help keep the tax bracket, still maintain your, your standard of living at the income you need, but do it in such a way that keeps you in the lowest bracket possible. So that's all part of the tax planning that, that we like to do for our clients to just to help plan that. And it's an annual thing. So it's not just a one time and, and see what happens kind of thing. It's a, it's a every year thing. Uh, also, a quick reminder, they didn't change the IRA and Roth IRA contribution limits for 2022. It's just $6,000 unless you're 50 and older. And then it's 1000 You get an extra 1000 And, of course, there's some extra money you can put in, catch, catch ups with your 401k plans as well. But uh, and, the, and the standard deduction went up to 28700 if you're a, a joint filing, uh, married filing jointly, and you're both 65 or older. That's 28700 You have to have that many itemized deductions, which would include your, your gifting. It would include your uh, state taxes. And of course, you're limited to $10,000. That salt, that state and local taxes are $10,000. Uh, property taxes and all those thing, kind of things are in that $10,000. So when it gets up to that amount, that 28000 has to get over that amount. So I'll, I'll briefly remind you after we get back from this break, about how to bunch deductions, try to take advantage of that twenty thousand, that twenty eight thousand seven hundred uh, in some years, and itemize in other years. So we got that treat for you when we come back. So Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, send me a question there, and we'll get that on future uh, episodes of Talking Money. We'll be right back with the second segment of Talking Money. Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. With nationwide trust capabilities, Ronald Blue Trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. With over $11 billion of assets under management and advisement and a network of 16 offices, including Greenville, Ronald Blue Trust serves over 10,000 clients in all 50 states through distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas, financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ronald Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And if you got a question for me here on Talking Money, send that email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Or simply go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Question. Anyway, so we've been talking the last several weeks about some IRA distributions and some other questions we had really all the way back in 2007 that are still pertinent today. And one of the things that we talk about, which is was not going on back in 2007, really not very much, was bunching deductions because the standard deduction was not so high back then as it is now. But now, as I mentioned before the break, as, as a couple that's 60, both both uh, spouses are 65 or over, they're ma married filing jointly, they have to get up to above $28,700 before they can take any of their deductions. So I see people are going into Miracle Hill, they're dropping things off and they're going up to get a receipt. Uh, I'm always tempted to ask them, are you sure you need that receipt? Are your deductions really going to be more than you know, $28,000 this year? I don't think they ever even think about it. It's just a habit. I always get the receipt for the contributions. Uh, but you don't have to keep track of all that if, that's not, if your number is not going to be higher than that unless 
you want to try this technique called bunching deductions, which is pretty cool. It takes a little uh, planning and preparation before you to make it work. But say, let's say this year, so your property taxes were born were due in January. So a lot of people paid that already last December. But if you think about it, say, so, okay, I want to wait till January. I'm going to pay my my 2021 taxes in 2022. And then in December of this year, when your 2023 statement comes out, you're going to pay the 2023 property taxes in 2022 as well. You're going to take all your itemized, your all your contributions. So you may give all contributions this year, like you normally do, but then be prepared in December. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make all of my 2023 contributions, charitable contributions, whether it's your church or some other ministry or charity, all in 2022. So you have two years worth of property taxes and two years worth of your contributions. Well, it may be that that gets you above the 28700 or whatever your standard deduction happens to be. So if that's the case, then you're, you're able to use it. Well, the next year, you're not hurt because you can still use the 28700 or whatever the number happens to be. I'm sure it'll be higher in 2023, but use that number the next year. So you'll, and, and sometimes you might have to, to do it every third year or even fourth year. And one of the other things that we recommend to some people would be to use a donor advised fund. So instead of giving all the money to church, let's say, you know, once every three years or four years, you say, okay, I'm going to make a contribution to my donor advised fund. And you can get those typically get Fidelity at Schwab. You can get the National Christian Foundation. You can get the South Carolina Christian Foundation. You can open up an account and you, and they're really fairly inexpensive to maintain. You, you make your contributions in that, to that account all in one year. So you have to plan ahead. You could, you could take it from other brokerage money you have. Matter of fact, if you, you could take it from some unrealized gain property, she has some mutual funds or some stock or some real estate or something that you could move into that account, then you would avoid all the capital gains on that account. Plus you'd get a deduction for the current market value of whatever the, those assets are at the time you move the money into the donor advised fund. And then you give your money to the church over the next three years, four years, five years. You give it, you don't give it to them all at once. You spread it out over a certain length of time. So they still can budget their, their expenses, their charitable contributions well over a three or five year period. But then you get a deduction in that year that you made that contribution so that you can get above whatever your standard deduction is. And if you don't think about that ahead of time, it could be, well, you don't have the assets this year to do that. Well, think about it ahead of time. So maybe you have to stop making contributions and save up that money and, and do it in one later year. Just have to be, if especially if you go to a smaller church, uh, the treasurer might be kind of worried that the money's not coming in to pay the pastor and pay the, the power bill and those kind of things. So you need to make sure they know what's going on. So hopefully you can do it in advance you can pay in advance three or four years into the donor advised fund, get the deduction for all of 2022. It's already too late for 2021, but you can do it for 2022. And you have all year to plan for that, dude, through the whole year and do several years contributions at once and then get it above that deduction. And then there again, like I said, it doesn't hurt you because the next year you get to take whatever the standard deduction was, which is all that you were probably going to be able to take anyway. So at least this way you were able to take it um, a little bit get it, take advantage of it at least one of those years where you weren't being able to take advantage of it at all before that. And if you want this in a higher tax bracket and you want to uh, make sure that you make the most of your tax advantages, 
if you have assets that are in mutual funds or stocks, typically, you got them in a brokerage account. This is not IRA funds. We're talking about just regular accounts. Then, then all your all your contributions should be coming from that account. So you should be every year like take you know fifty thousand dollars worth of stocks and put it in your donor advised fund and get the full tax deduction for that. And then the money that you would have paid cash, you would have written a check to the church, that money you're going to reinvest. And you're going to, like I said earlier, you could reinvest in the exact same things that you're invested in already. And then now you're going to have a new cost basis. So later on, when you sell it, the the unrealized gain's not going to be as high because you're paying for, hopefully you'll have another unrealized gain. It didn't go down after that. Even if it went down, you're going to have a bigger tax loss then you would have, if, if you hadn't done this technique, you just you would just have less of a gain. So now you get the full benefit of the tax deduction for this unrealized gain that you had. Plus, if, if it goes down later, then you're going to get a loss uh, to boot. And instead of not being able to take advantage of it going either way. So there's, there's advantages to doing all this. Now, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, that age seven and a half, that magic age of seven and a half, when you're eligible to do a qualified charitable distribution, then most of your, if not all of your contributions should be coming from your IRA. And that's going to be generally a better tax-wise way of doing it than, than investing or contributing unrealized capital gain property because that's already tax-favored when you sell it because the long-term capital gains rates are lower. But if, if not, at least uh, the amount you'd have to pay on the other money is ordinary income. So this, this helps avoid that because IRA money all comes out at ordinary income. You don't get capital gains treatment, no matter what the assets are in there. And I, and I have to think back and, and laugh a little bit because I remember a number of years ago, we had a client that came to us and said, well, how come you haven't asked, uh, haven't recommended me to put municipal bonds inside my IRA so that when we put the money in, we get a tax deduction. Then when we take it out, because it's a tax-free municipal bond fund, we'll be able to get it taken out tax-free. Well, I said, well, the reason we haven't recommended that is because you can't do that. So they, they, I think a bank had come by there and trying to solicit their business and told them they could invest in a municipal bond fund because it was tax-free uh, dividends, and they'd be able to take it out of the IRA tax-free. Now, if it's a Roth, okay, that's, that's a different story. But a regular, traditional, taxable IRA account, I, I remember reading a study put out by Vanguard of Fidelity, one of those firms uh, some years ago, it talked about how many people were investing in municipal bonds inside of an IRA. Well, they're already tax-free. The, the, the interest you're getting, at least from a federal level, is tax-free. So why are you doing both of those uh, inside of an IRA? It didn't make any sense. It's, in some sense, it's the same as putting an annuity inside an IRA. You put an annuity inside an IRA, it's already tax-deferred. So you take the money out. Well, the IRA is the same way. So you're, you, you want to make sure you think about what kinds of assets that you put inside that IRA. So we've had tax bracket changes for 2022. The gift tax ex exclusion has been has been increased. It's been a while. I can't remember how many years since it increased from 14 to 15, but it's gone up from 15 to 16,000. So those of you who who make gifts uh, to your children, uh, then you get to go 16,000. And don't don't forget that that does not give you a tax deduction, but it also means that the children, when they get it, don't pay any taxes on it. They get it tax-free. So sometimes it's better to give them appreciated property because then you you would have sold it and been subject to capital gains. 
your children may be able to sell it and not be subject to capital gains. Because if you remember what I talked about earlier in the broadcast, if you sell it and it stays within that 12% tax bracket, then you don't have to pay any, you pay zero income taxes. So give a little bit of time to the children. Their basis is going to be the same as yours. The donor, the donee has the same basis as the donor, except at death. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit when you have the, the, uh, um, uh, the, when you have a step up in basis at death, we'll talk about that after we, uh, on the second half of talking money. But uh, keep that in mind. Now, they don't pay any taxes on it, so you may want to give them appreciated assets. You still get to say, you still have to keep within that $16,000 limit for this year, but they can sell it, and they'll pay some taxes, and maybe hope they pay zero taxes, or at least pay less in, in capital gains taxes than what you would have paid. All right, so we get back from uh, the break. We're going to talk some more about uh, some beneficiary designations, and this has been a, a subject all through the years I've been doing talking money. It's something I, I talk about frequently because we see so many mistakes as it relates to beneficiary designations and, and being careful when there's especially second marriages and how uh, what a surviving spouse can do with your money if you don't set up some kind of restrictions on that money. If there's any doubt, any trust doubt that, the, that a family member may uh, try to coerce them into doing something different, we'll talk about that when we get back from the break. Of course, questions for me, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And click on Ask Mike a Question, and that'll get me uh, a question, and I'll get it on a future program. We'll be right back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today, starting the 16th year of Talking Money. It hasn't been uh, that long as a podcast, but certainly as a radio broadcast for that long. So we do send it up as a podcast now. So go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and you can pull it up on, uh, or you just pull it up on one of your favorite podcast providers and you can pick it up there. I, I frequently get comments from people who out of the listening, the immediate listening area of WGTK that listen to this as a podcast. I mentioned Lance Lee last week and, and um, he's in Montgomery. And I know people from California and other people in, in various areas of the country that listen to this as a podcast. But of course, if you got a question, you can always send the question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Or simply go to the website, TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and click on Ask Mike a Question. So I've been pulling up questions that came up in the first year of Talking Money back in 2007 and been covering them the last several weeks. I have this one page of notes. And I've been working on it for 
for three weeks now. <laughs> so things keep on coming to my mind to, to uh, share with you that are tax planning ideas or reminders from what I might have talked about two weeks ago that I don't want you to forget about. So a lot of, a lot of information packed in the, these several weeks. Uh, my wife told me after the one a couple weeks ago when I was getting into details on the QCDs and converting Roth IRAs and all these kind of things, she said, well, it was boring today. That's not the first thing she told me. She, she told me I had a hard time following you. Is what she, she was nice the first time. Then I heard her tell my, my daughter, so it was boring today. <laughs> well, it's because uh, you know some of this stuff can get complicated, Some of the, it, and it just is complicated. Uh, so I'm not trying to show off, and I'm not trying to talk over your head, uh, but you need to know some of this stuff is complicated, and, of course, we're here to help. If you need that help, you can always give me a call, 800-588-7526, which stands for PLAN, 588-7526, 800-588-PLAN. And you can call me at the office, and we'll be glad to, to talk through your situation and see how we might be able to help. If you happen to be a wealthier investor, so you've got four or five million or, or higher, um, some of our clients that are 20, 30 million are, are using some of our private investments. You have to be a, accredited investors for these types of investments that the private credit and private equity can help diversify you away from the public stock market and the public bond market. It'd be a great diversifier, a great way for you to do that. The main main um, negative for them is that they have uh, less liquidity. You can't get in and out of them on a daily basis. So you're tied up longer than that. It's like investing in a, in a, a lot of small companies, small to medium-sized companies. They're going to use that money over a period of time, and you'll get your return eventually. You don't want the money back right away. You, you want to make sure they're using it and reinvesting the money back into the, the company because that's how you're going to make money is the company growing, uh, not by them just paying you a dividend. Uh, you know, dividend stocks are great, but typically that's not where you get the, the growth. You're going to get the growth out of stocks, uh, companies that are plowing their money back into their company and growing the company as opposed to paying back the dividend to their investors. Now, there's nothing wrong with those kind of stocks, but I think a combination of them is a, a wiser move instead of just having one versus uh, just the other. So some of the other things we talk about with beneficiary designations. So we had a question about the IRA beneficiaries. In this one case, the, the IRA beneficiaries were each other. These are two spouses. Each other as primary and other family members as contingent, which means each of their their second marriages, and whether or not it's a divorce or widow situation, widow and widower situation. In this case, it was a widow-widower situation, so there were no previous spouses. We got the just the spouses that got married, but each one of them had children bringing into the family. There was no children between the two of them, just children from the other. So each of them named each other as primary beneficiaries, and then they named each of their own children as beneficiaries of their own IRAs. In this case, which is unusual, both IRAs were similar in size. So it made sense. We just set it up, and but with the warning that, you realize that the surviving spouse doesn't have to do this. So when you pass on and your spouse as primary beneficiary takes over that, puts it in her, her or his own name, they then get to change the beneficiary to whomever they want to. Now they could keep your IRA as an inherited IRA. So it keeps separate and they can even put it in their own name, but keep it as a separate IRA to help distinguish between the two accounts. And then when the, the uh, second the spouse dies in this remarriage situation, then you say, okay, now we know my kids are beneficiaries of this upon the ultimate death of the surviving spouse, and they die. It each goes to their children. But in this one case we knew of that the uh, 
um, the spouse, the, the, the wife in this case, was a survivor, and she was influenced by her sister and by her son. And they realized that she didn't have to maintain the other children as the beneficiary. So, of course, there's a huge conflict of interest here because they're, they're going to get the money instead of the, the children of their stepdad. So, and there's nothing you can do about it at that point. It's it, the, the surviving spouse can do whatever they want to do. Now, I brought this up because there were clients and it was a number of years ago, but I brought this up and said, look, I'm concerned about this. And she, was, she said, well, I've already taken care of them with other assets. Well, I had no way of knowing if they were going to do that or not. I was prepared to fire them as clients because they weren't going to be honest about this. Then I didn't want that type of person, person as a client of mine. But they assured me, no, we've taken care of them with other assets. And so we had to leave it go at, at that. But there's always that potential of undue influence from a relative. In this case, it was a sister and a son. So the way to get around that is you set up the IRA in a trust. So the beneficiary is not the surviving spouse anymore. It's an IRA conduit trust. So it goes into the trust. It still gives the primary spouse as beneficiary the income from that IRA as long as they're living. But as soon as they pass on, it's going to go where you want them to go. It's not the ideal situation tax-wise, but it's a whole lot better than the children not getting anything, which, of course, you're trying to avoid that completely. So just be careful when you have second spouse, when they pass, that there's not a requirement for that. And I know a lot of people say, oh, I trust my spouse. And especially when you guys are both sitting there together in front of the financial planner or in front of the attorney, the estate planning attorney, you're going to say, well, sure, I trust them. Uh, and a good attorney, and I've seen uh, attorneys do this. Randy Fisher does a great job at this. They say, all right, look, in my experience is this is what happens. And he's very frank about the whole situation and trying to make sure that they protect those assets. Uh, even if it is a trusting relationship, there's that chance that the, the surviving spouse then can remarry. And what happens if the surviving spouse remarries? Then you've got another beneficiary situation, another beneficiary potentially involved in this that's not your children either. So how do you protect that? And so setting it up in a trust is a way to get around that, and hopefully you're going to maintain that as well. All right, so talking about inherited IRAs, which is what these would be, except just within a spouse, but many times it comes to somebody who's not a surviving spouse. The, the best tax benefits come when it passes on to a surviving spouse because they can treat it as their own and, and not take the, the uh, money out in a, over a 10-year period and so forth. But the SECURE Act changed those rules that the RMDs, the calculations changed with a new 10-year rule, uh, but that if you died after 2019, uh, that you take it out within 10-year period. And, and so that accelerates it for some people. Now, I've read statistics that said it doesn't accelerate it for a lot of people because a lot of people, when they get their, when they get their, when their, when their spouse passes on, when their uh, mother or father pass on, I mean, they're stopping by the IRA custodian on the way back from the funeral trying to get all their money at once, and they don't care if they have to pay taxes on it or whatever. They're in such poor financial shape that they're just getting it all, and they'll pay taxes on it, but it's all free money as far as they're concerned. So you, you just want to sometimes protect people against themselves. Now, being required to take it out uh, within 10 years doesn't mean a person can't take it out earlier than that. So you can avoid the the the, the penalty, the 10% uh, penalty 
because if you're younger than 59 and a half and you've got an inherited IRA and you're going to take it over 10 years, you're still going to have to include it as, as taxable income. But you could take it out more if you wanted to. You just can't take out, and you could take out less. It just the, all the money has to come out by the end of 10 years. So you, you could be in a situation where you know you're going to retire in, let's say, five years. And you're going to have five years where you have uh, lower, in, lower income as part of that 10-year period. So don't take anything out the first five years. Then take more out the second five years because your taxable income is less because you're not working anymore. So a lot of tax planning that can be done with these kinds of things. And, and of course, that's sometimes people need a professional to help them calculate all these things. And so we're here to help that if you need to. Or there again, send me a question. Uh, you don't need to hire us. You can send me a question. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Give me the details. And I'll try to work through it with you. I've given a lot of free advice over the years, not just over the air, but off the air between between uh, shows I've done that. So uh, I want to make sure that you've got the information you need. And there again, without the sales pitch, there's no selling going on here. I'm going to give you the information you need. And uh, I've had many people that have called me, emailed me over the years, and I've spent some time with them, helped them through different situations and didn't charge them a thing. I told them, well, I'm probably going to use this information as a subject matter for the radio. And that'll be my payment because that's going to be great information. All right. So we get back uh, from the break. So there's several situations where someone's going to retire in a few years and go to a lower tax bracket. We want to talk about some planning we did there with some capital gains they had and with their 401k contributions that are pretty cool. So we want to talk about that as well. Then we're going to talk about uh, how would your spouse be able to get money from another spouse's account if one of them became incapacitated or died? How are you able, are you allowed to get into those other accounts? So if you've got a question for me, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or just go to that website and click on Ask Mike a Question. We'll get that at a future show. We'll be right back with the last segment of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The private wealth division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ron Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And we're into the home stretch of Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller. We're just coming into the last few minutes of Talking Money. You got a question for me? Send it to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Or if you want to give me a call and just to talk about your situation, I'd love to talk with you as well. I'd love to speak with you. 800-588-7526 is my number at the office. And just, you'd have to leave me a voicemail. I'm working out of the office uh, at my home office a lot these days. So, but you can always leave me a voicemail and leave uh, Chelsea, leave it with Chelsea and she'll make sure I get the message and get back to you. So always, always pleased to speak with people who, um, who need some help. And just to see if uh, we help. Uh, many people we can. There's many people we say, no, that's uh, we need to do something else. You need to go with this person. You need to do this technique. You don't really need a, a professional advisor at this point. 
at this point, you can do such and such. You'd be fine for a while. So there's all different kind of ways to do that. But I'm definitely, as I mentioned last week, Nick Stone Street was here with me, our CEO. Uh, you know, we were as interested in finding out whether or not you're a good fit for us as you would be for us. Maybe more so because that's a long-term relationship and we want it to enjoy and be able to really benefit the people that uh, that we work with. So talking about beneficiary designations, talking about uh, especially second spouses, second marriages, and the issues that, that they have there. We're talking about the inherited IRA and the new 10-year rule. So now we have a situation where someone was going to retire in a few years and go to a lower tax bracket. They also had some assets that needed to be sold, but capital gains would be created, of course, at least in this case, long-term capital gains. So I suggested that they increase their 401k contribution. All right, This decreases their current taxable income, defers the tax to a lower bracket, and, and it gets you down to a lower bracket because it decreases, it decreases your current taxable income and allows you to sell the assets at a lower capital gains rate. And as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, 0%, if you stay in that 12% tax bracket, is going to be taxed at 0%. And whatever part is above that will be taxed at 15%. Um, so that's, that's not ideal. But if you can keep it in that 12% bracket, 0%. So in order to do, to do this ahead of time, because obviously – there was going to be times when he was going to have to start taking money out of the 401k, transfer to an IRA, and start taking required minimum distributions. So in order to minimize that, we said, okay, well, for the next couple of years, let's go ahead and sell some, some property and let's get it and get you in the 0% capital gains tax bracket for, for capital gains. And then you'll, it'd be great. So you can reinvest in the same assets. But your, your reinvestment will be at the current rates, which is higher than what you paid for it. And you get rid of all that unrealized capital gains. In this case, and he's, he's, uh, lowered his, he's, he's going to be lowering his tax bracket by increasing his 401k contribution. What that does, of course, is lowers the amount of income that shows up on the W-2. You lower the amount that shows up on the W-2, your taxable income is lower. And so when you have the capital gains that are generated from the sale of those assets, they get added back to it. As long as that stays in, in this year for, for 2022, as long as that stays within underneath that $83,550 for 2022, not 2021. A lot of people are thinking about the 21 taxes. We're talking about the 22 taxes. As long as it stays underneath that, then you have zero capital gains. So you got to be thinking out of the box here sometimes to see how can I lower my cap, my income, even though he didn't need to put more money in his 401k for retirement per se, it was a good tax move. And then when he retires, his, his income is going to be lower. So when he pulls the money out of the 401k, he's going to be a lower tax bracket then. It's why I, one of the reasons I caution people when you run into really salespeople who are trying to get you to take big lump sums out of your IRA in order to put it into a life insurance product, uh, usually it's life insurance, it's not an annuity, um, because it's you know, tax deferred money after that. And then, of course, you have the life insurance benefit. But there's a lot of cost to those a lot of surrender charges, a lot of restrictions on getting that money out. And and you're going to probably put yourself in a higher tax bracket when you do that. You take out those big lump sums, it's going to put you maybe beyond the 22% bracket and put you in the 24% or 32% bracket, put you way up there. And if you did it over time, now if they at least tell you, well, don't do it all lump sum, let's do an annual premium. And I would only do that if you really want to leverage your your IRA so that it um, buys the life insurance and you're leveraging the money from your IRA to create tax-free death benefit. 
And as long as you're not going to need the money, that's a that's a great way to pass on a larger amount to your heirs. So it just depends on your own situation. But uh, those salespeople generally, every, as far as they're concerned, it fits everybody. And you just got to be so, so careful with that. All right. So the, the next question was, how would my spouse be able to get money from the other spouse's account or accounts if one of them became incapacitated? All right. So you've got an account that's in your spouse's name and now they can't sign their name for it. They become incapacitated. What are you going to do? They actually need a guardian for them. All right. And, and a power of attorney. Well, if you have a power of attorney over them, you've already set that up ahead of time. Then you can show that power of attorney to the institution that holds that account and you'll be able to access it, should be able to access it just like them. I've had situations where, where certain institutions balked at that and, and weren't going to abide by it, which it just stunned me. Like I've got a, an official document signed by the person who's incapacitated that says, I'm giving this, my spouse or this other person permission to access my accounts and they still wouldn't do it. There's sometimes they're so fearful of giving the money to the wrong people that they don't even get to, to the right people sometimes. So durable, typically it's a durable power of attorney. Another way would be setting up the account to make sure this joint ownership with right of survivorship. So if it's a joint ownership with right of survivorship within between spouses, when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse or incapacitated, the surviving spouse or the other spouse has full access to that account. Either one of them can do anything they want to anytime. So of course, you want to trust your spouse because they could take all the money. Uh, you may take a business trip for a couple of weeks and come back and it's all gone. Well, they have the right to do that because it was a joint account. Um, I don't hear about that happening very often, fortunately, but it, it could happen. Then what you'd want to do on the joint account probably is make sure your will documents are set up correctly so that upon the death of the surviving joint owner, the assets go work to your children or to whomever you want them to go to, whether it's a, the children or whether it's a charity or something like that. Another way to do that to, to help avoid probate to joint ownership of the right of survivorship avoids a probate at the first death, but not the second death. So at the second death to avoid that probate, you can always add a designated beneficiary. All right. So uh, you just add those um, beneficiary designations on that account, which you can do the TOD POD. They're called several different things, payable on death, transfer on death, and it acts like a beneficiary of your IRA. It is joint ownership. It goes right to my surviving joint owner. And then I have my children listed as equal beneficiaries. If something happened to both of us, it still doesn't, it still doesn't go through probate. I would even add the language per stirpes on that. So that if let's say one of the children has grandkids, but the others do not. And the one, the one with the grandkids predeceases you, and you don't change the beneficiary, that means the other two children are the ones who split the proceeds. The grandkids don't get it because you didn't include persterpes as the language on that beneficiary designation to make sure they got the money when something when something happened to both of you. So it's really important. Uh, and and the, the actual arrangements in your will where you're going to set up the personal representative that used to be the the executor, executrix is now the PR, the personal representatives. Because uh, the Durba power attorney at death stops working. It's no good anymore because the person died. Um, so, But if you are the, the personal representative, then, of course, it involves probate. Or better yet, if you are the, the uh, successor trustee on a living trust and your assets are all in a living trust, usually not the IRA, but they're in a living trust, 
then you can take over just like you would uh, a few more hoops to jump through, but you can take over just like you were the durable power of attorney. Uh, and then this gives you access to the funds. So access to the funds as a power of attorney, or you have access to the funds as joint ownership with the right of survivorship, or you'll have access to the funds at death. And it, but that takes a little while to get those access. Uh, so you want to have some kind of funds that are available to pay for, for funeral expenses and final expenses and things like that, whether it's your surviving spouse or whether or not it's your children. Now, some of them may be well enough off that they can go ahead and, and foot the bill, go to the funeral home. They're going to ask for a payment right up front, and you're going to pay that 10000 15000 whatever it is. Uh, and then you um, are done, and you just re get keep your seats and get refunded from the estate. But you want to make sure that the whoever, if you're not the personal representative, that the trustee the, who is the personal representative uh, knows that you did that, so you get back. Another quick thought is we're getting into tax season on your cost basis, so make sure that for mutual funds, anything that you might have sold last year, that you really go back and track your basis, include all the reinvestments of dividends, reinvestments of capital gain distributions, because you already paid taxes on those. So whenever those distributions like that, you might have bought more shares, but those shares were purchased at a higher basis, cost basis, than the original shares you purchased. And so you don't want to you pay taxes on it twice. So make sure you keep track of the reinvestment of dividends and any kind of, of uh, other uh, distribution that was made, capital gains distributions. Um, because, of course, if you die, you get a step up in basis and that's all gone. But uh, up until that time, you make sure you keep track of those mutual fund capital gains distributions and reinvestments of dividends and so forth. Because the ultimate sale, unless you pass away, like I said, needs to have those bases. Okay, so uh, we're done with this uh, segment of uh, Talking Money. So glad you could join us today. If you got questions for me, send it to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Questions or give me a call, 800-588-7526. And I'll be glad to talk to you to see if uh, we may be able to help you with your financial planning. See you next week for the next edition of Talking Money. Talking Money. 